Are we going? <laughs> yeah, we're going. Hell yeah. Uh, what's up, everybody? Welcome. This is, uh, what, did we decide on a title yet? Is it, it's on the list? It's on the, let's call it it's on the list. We're, we're, we're committing, folks. <laughs> we're calling it it's on the list. Welcome to the first episode of It's on the List, a, uh, uh, a multimedia podcast hosted by me, Mason McGuire. And me, no Marger. And uh, we're meeting for the first you're time meeting in for person. The first Carter, 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 our friend Carter, Carter uh, got us together and said, "You are two guys with similar perspectives, and I think it would be fun to get a podcast going where you guys just talk about, you know, movies or whatever." And uh, that was about two weeks ago. I was in Chicago still. I had just uh, finished my two week long vacation in Chicago. Hell yeah! Spent the last couple days on the road. Albuquerque, Dallas, <laughs> New Orleans, with a with a little dog. Hell yeah. It has been a long, long break. Uh, but uh, yeah. anyways, the uh, Carter reached out to me. I think what he said is that he, I tweeted something to the effect of, "Oh, here's an idea for a podcast." You constantly say you haven't seen something, but you say it's on the list and you'll never get to it. And it was just like, "Haha, that's funny." But he then DM'd me and was like. That's actually not a bad idea for a podcast. Yeah, I love how Carter's mind just works like that. He's a great he's a great guy at getting projects together. And he's not here. He's not yeah, here. He's not here yet. He's doing some other Sunday he's doing some Sunday stuff. Something I think actually important. Yeah, something that's actually gonna you know make a real difference in society. Uh, not talking about uh, today's movie, the um, subject of our first episode, uh, Andre Tarkovsky's nineteen seventy nine sci-fi classic Stalker. So you have never seen this movie. This yet. has been one that has been on my list for a long time. It's really been on the list. It's really been on the list so much so that I have lied about seeing it to a lot of people. Wow. Okay. That's that's commitment right there. Um, I am. I was a weaker man when I made those lies. I try to be as honest and forthcoming about my uh, blind spots and so forth as I can. We're all guilty of it. We're all guilty of it. We all say that we've seen. Uh, you know, we all say that we say we've seen or listened to things just to kind of engage with somebody else and get to know them a little better but this was one that i put off i did actually read the the source material have you ever read the source material no uh roadside picnic uh by boris and arkady stragovsky um who also did the screenplay for this movie um i believe there's some censorship issues with that book in the soviet union oh wow i didn't know that that. yeah i mean i'm basing this off of an audiobook that i feel like i only 75 percent listened to sure uh it was narrated by robert forster and it was awesome oh damn but the parts of the book that i remember i liked and i understand and i saw like american like kind of hollywood stock which is annihilation i mean i actually watched the film Really recently, I saw it at the Egyptian. I would actually look back. I, we were sitting in the front, unfortunately, because we were uh, having some issues getting there, me and my buddy. But we, I would turn around at times. You know, it's the Egyptian. It's huge. Yeah. I turned around, and there are just hundreds of people just glued, yeah. just hypnotized okay. to the screen. And it was kind of, it felt like a Life magazine photo. Yeah, so you you saw this movie the way it was meant to be presented. I'm just going to like log on to the Criterion channel yeah. in a few minutes and watch this for the first time on my laptop. <laughs> Which, you know what? That's the way that that's the way he attempted that it. Is the way like that. That's the way Tarkovsky wanted <laughs> that you is to the watch way, it. On, on a barely functioning Safari browser on a used MacBook laptop. On a VPN. <laughs> yeah. Um, but he uh it, it just like kind of sitting oh. there looking back just like everyone glued to this screen. This movie that is what? 40 years old at this point. Yeah. Yeah. You know, in Russian really, you know, cerebral, and they're just hypnotized. And mm-hmm. I think that has, that's a huge testament to Tarkovsky. Right. More than anything. 
Uh, what were, what, I have a, a couple. I was thinking about this on the okay. ride over. When was the first time you ever heard of Andre Tarkovsky? Do you remember? I feel like I bought a book at this uh, used bookstore in Michigan uh, where we vacation every year that was just called Understanding Movies. I don't know if anyone's familiar with that, but it's like a, a, like a textbook series by uh, Louis Giannetti who was taught film. Anyways, it was like the seventh edition from like 1997 or something. Okay. Um, because it... I wouldn't, I couldn't necessarily read the text and understand what was being written, but I could, like, see the pictures and read the captions. It could have even been in, like, a Roger Ebert great movies. I don't want to, like, really look that up. And if it was anywhere before I got to film school, it was in that book. It was one, it was a, it was a that kind of situation. It's that kind of situation, yeah. When was the first time you heard Tarkovsky? Um, it was actually kind of, weirdly, the opposite sort of situation. Okay. I had a friend in high school who... You know, I was into movies starting yeah. in, like, high school. That's when I, really, like, felt like I was like, oh, I gotta see everything. Yeah. But it wasn't until, like, end of high school, like, late into junior year, senior year, and he was like, have you ever heard of Andre Tarkovsky? Mm-hmm. And I said, no. I've never heard of him. I don't know who he is. And he said, oh, well, you have to watch Stalker. Oh, okay. And I said, okay. And so I looked it up. And I'm like, I don't want to fucking watch this. I don't want, I don't care. <laughs> These three guys go into the zone. They I don't... go into the zone and then they have some spooky experiences or something. And at like 16 or 17, I was like, I don't fucking care. I don't right. want to watch this. This is like, I'd rather, you know, jerk off. Like, do I, <laughs> yeah, do 100%. Something... I, I, feel, I feel that 100%. Yeah. yeah. And so I kind of like, he was always in my mind then. It was like, okay, well, who is this guy? Russian filmmaker. And at 17, I was like, don't care, you know, yeah. move on to something else. But then, you know, you hear, you hear about him. He's like, you know, considered one of the greatest of all time. And you realize yeah. that, like, Bergman loved him. And, you know, all these, you know, huge filmmakers of world cinema all worship this guy. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, well, this guy must have been doing something. Yeah. Something that just no one else was doing. So I think I watched Ivan's Childhood. That was my first one. Okay. Uh, I watched that, like, sophomore or junior year of college. Okay. And someone had told me that's where you start with him. Because was that his first or was Andre Rublev his first? So that, so, uh, Ivan's Childhood was his first feature. Right, okay. And so that, my friend who was into him was like, that's where you start. It's his most accessible. Mm-hmm. Just give that one a shot. And I watched it, and I liked it. And the more I thought about it, it was really one of those that, like, really, when you're thinking about it, it's really, really one of those that, like, you reflect on and you just remember like scraps of moments from Uh because it's just so reflective. And I was like, okay, that's interesting. And then when Filmstruck was still around, uh, RIP, RIP, bro. Holy crap. uh, I tried watching mirror. Okay. Because it was, that was pretty much the only place you could find it. Right. And I was like, well, I better take advantage of it. And I've seen the first 45 minutes of mirror Mm -hmm. three times. Oh, it's one of those. It is so just inaccessible but so it just stays with you it's such like it's like a bug you know that it just stays with you and it was like i was just like i can't finish this but i would always go back and restart it and then my friend you know said hey you're gonna be up you live in la now let's go see stalker on the big screen like Uh later and i was like amazing sounds great so you know at some point i I probably I should have probably seen this movie at the Egyptian when I had the opportunity to. It, it's it was a crazy experience. It was I'm sure because I you know I I'm kind of a guy that like I don't mind the delivery system for a movie, but I do prioritize going to the theater and just seeing the thing. Oh, without on a the doubt. big screen. 
um, or the small screen or whatever screen size you can get it. Just but because, seeing it in a venue. Yeah, and seeing it with other people is yeah. also what I think is really. Uh, it changes it. It does change it. Like, uh, I when I was in New Orleans, the first night that we got there, uh, my buddy was going to, um, like stay back at the house and like do some work stuff so I can just fuck off and do whatever. So I'm like, what do I want to do to kill a lot of time? I'll just go to, like, the nearest movie theater I can find that's not, like, an AMC. Sure. And just see what's playing. And so I went to see Midsummer again, uh, <laughs> which I, I fucking love that movie so much. But see, I saw... Seeing, I don't usually go see movies twice in theaters just because it's, like, a money thing. Sure. But I loved seeing that movie with an audience so much the first time and just kind of being with everybody as they were discovering at the same time what that movie was really up to. Sure. And seeing it the second time was kind of more for me to kind of just, like, get back into the movie and feel it around a little bit and just, like, try to understand, you know, like, what it... Not necessarily what it's about, but what is it that makes it Midsummer? Sure. Um, And it was great being there with people that were also there for the first time. And I was kind of, like, anticipating my favorite moments and, like, getting giggly, and then uh, they would happen and, like, they'd all laugh or whatever. Um, So, what we're saying is, I preached... um, Go to the movie theater, folks. It's a dying, <laughs> it's a dying mode of of uh, it, it's not dying, but it's it's very hard to get like kind of a pure cinematic experience. I think with a multiplex. I'm gonna let you watch it. Okay, sweet. Uh, yeah. Let's. Uh, I'll meet back with you in about three hours. Yes. Yeah. Uh, but uh, I'll see you soon. All right. See you soon, buddy. Okay. I am back. It's been about half an hour since I finished the movie. Um, it's been three hours. It's been three hours. <laughs> we have. Carter. Hello. Producer Carter. Yeah, producer Carter. Uh, Merry-Go-Round Magazine podcast editor. Happy to be here on the inaugural episode of this endeavor. And we were just talking about this, the spread of kind of the last exposure we had to it. Noah, it's been what, like a month, you said? Yeah, I saw it at the Egyptian. Uh, Mm. Carter, you had seen it too. I saw it in 2017 at the New Art. Um, Oh, wow. Yeah, that was a perfect place to see it. Saw it on 35. That's not too big of a space. No, yeah, exactly. And I I had a great seat. I, like, it was one of those movies, like, it's very meditative. I very much just sort of, like, got lost in it. It was, it was, it was, it was a movie. This is a movie that I will say is so, like, absorbing. The movie started and I thought I needed to pee and I was like, oh, no, am I going to have to pee during this movie, I forgot that I needed to yeah. pee the entire yeah. time I was watching it because it's just so much. I think that's the th- thing that my immediate thing, my immediate reaction afterwards is there's kind of like the watching Stalker Mason and there's the post-watching Stalker Mason. Yeah. Like there is, uh, there was me when I was watching this and like taking my notes and just, just really just like being in the thing in a way that not a lot of other movies have the power to do. Yeah. And then there's me afterwards kind of wrestling with everything that I saw. Yeah. And that's, that, when I, 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 there's was, a, yeah. I, I showed Noah, uh, I wrote in my notes, uh, at some point in the movie, I think it was kind of around, there's a shot in the movie that is sticking with me where it's like moss on a rock, but it kind of looks like a miniature formation of like trees in a rock and it's like craning up to mm-hmm. like a yeah. lake or something. I know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I just, I was having so many thoughts about it that I just wrote lot going on here. <laughs> yeah. All caps. All caps. And that is on, let's see what page I started writing uh, my notes on. I started on page uh, 15 of this notebook and I went to page 27. Oh, oh my wow. god. <laughs> I, I was... Run back. I was shocked that you were even able to take notes in a movie that is so... I think the, the biggest word well, for me... Thing. Here's yeah, the yeah. thing. I was watching it on my laptop. Sure. And yeah. I was watching it fighting against just like 
the noise of my neighborhood and just the, right. the just the environment that I was in. And it was kind of my way to just focus on the movie and what sure. I was watching. That does and make just sense. Really make sure I was gathering every single bit of information on the frame or in the soundtrack that I could. Uh, that's an exhausting way to do it. I did. I will admit I had to take a break a couple yeah, times. Yeah, I, I would have had to do that too if I watched um, it Because it is... Uh, yeah. It's a lot. And I think that it's this... Um, I, I mean, I. So, Carter, what's your relationship with Tarkovsky? This is my first one ever. Yeah, this is this is the first one I saw. This is the only one I've seen entirely. I've seen a good chunk of uh, what is it? The the world his World War One one, the Black Hawk. Andre Yeah, I okay. saw the last thirty minutes of that. I showed up at my friend Sergio's house and I watched the last thirty minutes of that, and that was really intense. But I had no context for it. I haven't seen Solaris yet. I, there's a lot of stuff, but it's, he's he's a big gap. Yeah, uh, it feels like every single movie he makes, even the ones that aren't daunting and runtime, are daunting. Yeah, yeah, yeah like exactly. it's, it's like Bergman. It's like every single one feels like I gotta do. This is a day. The one word that I uh, always thought about when I was thinking about this, both in the theater and afterwards, was it's hypnotic. It you almost kind of forget where you are mm-hmm. because you are so focused. And I think textured is a great word because all these frames and all these moments just have such a, a it's like a laser beam focus that it requires of you yeah. to truly like almost comprehend what you're seeing. Cause there's some crazy shit yes. crazy in this shit. movie. There's that whole, um, there's so much crazy shit. There's, there's the, uh, like the sepia tone, like kind of path through the water. Yep. Mm, um, I love that shot. Yeah. That which shot is, is incredible. Just, uh, God, he's doing some shit with like nature and man and like idolatry and just like all this other stuff that like, He's really doing the fucking most, but it, the effect of watching it is like you do just kind of wrestle with these these sort of innate urges or something, or it really makes you wrestle with just the kind of the deepest parts of yourself. I thought I yeah. also found it to be exhausting. Oh yeah, um, it is exhausting, and it's one of those where like I'll be a hundred percent honest with you. When I left the theater, I can't say that I felt good. No, no, no. I try. I mean, it is. Yeah, I don't think I was. I do want to admit I did feel some kind of relief at it being over. Yeah, yeah, yeah. hundred percent. No, no, no. I like it's an I endurance like, test. It's a marathon. It yeah. is. I, I like. Uh, I remember I like got. Uh, I was just, like starving after I got out of this movie, and I like got a vegan hot dog from the New Art, and I like chowed down on that thing in the lobby, and then I was just like, oh, like like it was, it was <laughs> one of those things where yeah. like, the movie like snuck up on me and it like fully hit me, and I was like. I think I just need to go to bed. It was like <laughs> yeah. seven o'clock, and I was just like, I, I, oh fuck. It was. It's. I was with my buddy, and uh, he is much. He's a lot better at like accepting this kind of movie yeah. than I am right. immediately. But he also won't talk about it in this way immediately. Oh, God, yeah. yeah. So yeah, he's yeah, very yeah. like he like he's very like thinking about it a lot. And sure. whereas I'm like. That was too fucking long. Like, yeah, why, yeah. Like, why yeah, did we have to do all you this? You had, like, the much more immediate emotional reaction. And yes. he's just kind of, like, trying to just intellectually. Bur- intellectualize and just burrow in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I understand and respect both. I have been both. Yeah. Um, and it was one of those, it was one of those where I, like, it, like, for days, I just kept thinking about it, even though it wasn't a, like, experience that, like, was, what I'll say I enjoyed, right. quote unquote. True, 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 true. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. But it was a movie that nonetheless. I still thought about, oh, yeah. and I you can't really help but think about it. I think especially if you want to do creative stuff yeah. for your entire life. But like, it is at its core about a movie basically saying, "Look, we have no idea what we want, but like, 
we're gonna try and do it anyway. Sure, you know? yeah, yeah, which it's, is crazy. Which it's, is crazy. Yeah, Stalker is not just the title of the movie; it's also the name of our, I guess, our protagonist or our guide. Yeah, the Stalker is this person that can guide, that guides uh, a writer and a professor, a scientist, uh, through the zone, and um, he is very much kind of he's like kind of the believer of it of yes. the group. He is like the one that has the most uh, faith in the power of the zone. The and it's writer, because he's seen it firsthand. Because he's seen it firsthand, exactly. Yeah. And the writer is going there for, he says at first inspiration, but then, like, just the journey kind of breaks him down into just, like, like something close to a, a, a moment of, like, self, not, like, self-actualization or self-knowledge. Right. And the professor has more, like, nefarious deeds. Like, he's the one that's most terrified of its potential and just wants to just plain destroy it. Right, yeah. I think, I think, and, I, and what's so interesting is how differently... Uh, Tarkovsky sort of approaches the like philosophical implications of the zone, and each of these characters sort of representing most, like yeah, three most different... of the dialogue that most of the information that's communicated through dialogue is like some kind of philosophy or something. Right, kind of, exactly, and know. it's 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 one of the only movies I've seen where like people are talking about these big, complicated philosophical subjects, and like I have to admit, two having not seen this movie in two years, there's like details of what they talk about that haven't stuck with me. But I remember at at the time when I was watching it, there was so much that was like really resonating with me, and it made sense that these people who are confronted by this like alien world where reality has been broken down, that they would be having these very intense philosophical conversations, mm. and that like these characters would be enabled to naturally have these conversations as they're experiencing all of this mind bending shit. Right. I think I think the sort of penultimate message of the movie that like our our desires to like have ultimate truth our desire to like see our our like ultimate reality realized is something that we're never gonna fully realize like like where the movie essentially posits that like where human beings are fundamentally incapable of touching like perfection perfection absolute truth God whatever yeah. you want to call it like no matter no matter what you try to label it we, we're never we're always going to come up short of actually hitting that final it's, point yeah it's how the, the, the when we first meet the writer he's talking about the um, he's saying that like asking about the Bermuda Triangle and just like kind of breaking it down into like the laws of what governed just a triangle mm. and talking about the zone he says that like the zone is also would come from a place from a creature like from some sort of being that would also have be governed by its own laws right um and there is an element of this movie that is about just sort of man's quest for truth. Right. And it's very similar to something like, you know, a much more sort of genre take on that would be, or, or, or desire would be like the treasure of the Sierra Madre. And how oh, that's an interesting comparison. You know, yeah. like, this is just, because like, just on a basic plot level, like just in the terms of how the story is being told, it is kind of like a treasure hunt. Sure. Yeah, yeah. 100%. You know, like they're, they're, they need to get to the room. They're after their desire. Uh, and there's just that there's that devastating fight that they have, and that devastating sort of like second or third to last scene, where they're fighting over, um, you know, the stalker can't go in because it's, he can't because that's what happened to Porcupine. Yeah. Where uh, Porcupine was another stalker who brought his brother into the zone, and his brother killed himself. And when the when uh, Porcupine got to the room and the room fulfilled his deepest desire, it was just for money. It wasn't yep. they want his right. brother back, his brother back, which is yep. something that the right, which is a conclusion the writer draws. It's not something that Stalker uh, 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 understands from the story or whatever. Um, and so, writer's too afraid to go in there because he doesn't want to know what his, even though he's like kind of actualized himself and like understood himself a little better. At that point, he still doesn't know what his deepest desire is, and that idea scares right, him. Right, and he doesn't want to be have it be revealed. He doesn't want to have it yeah. be revealed. 
but he's still what I love is that he's still protective of it existing. Like he's yeah. still protective of that, and he doesn't want to see it destroyed by the scientist. And even the scientist who is so terrified of it still disassembles the bomb and throws it into the water. Rather um, than destroy, rather than destroy the room. Also, I don't quite know what this means yet. A lot of shots of hands around weapons, especially weapons going into the water, uh, assembling and disassembling, just showing how they are. Uh, it, this is a movie that is, of course, uh, made in uh, 1979 by by a Russian. It's very much going to be informed by the politics of the time. Very, yeah, deeply I, Cold War. A lot of uh, atomic anxiety in this. Um, it's 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 a very good reminder that like the Cold War like made people in the USSR just as sort of paranoid and miserable, if not more so than it made people in the US. Like like it's right. a it's a very different expression of the same Cold War paranoia that was being experienced in the US. And I think like especially when you look at something like Roadside Picnic, like the book that Stockard well, you have, on, you would read you've read fairly recently. Right? Yeah, yeah, I read that this year and I loved that. I actually think Stalker is a pretty brilliant example of like book to, book to film adaptation. Yeah, well, the, 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 the brothers adapted their own work. Or yeah, yeah, yeah. Because and they worked think, on the treatment or something. Or, yeah, they yeah. work with him for sort of developing the story, but I think Tarkovsky went off on his own a good bit on how he finally put the film together. Um, but anyway, it's it's the the movie does a phenomenal job, I think, of like taking the this world and the implications of this world and a lot of the rules that the brothers set up in Roadside Picnic and um, sort of taking those those basic rules those basic structures and creating his own plot creating his own characters to to make it a much more functional film mm-hmm. rather than than strictly adapting the movie exactly as, as the, the book exactly as my the knowledge book. of the book which i'm operating on at like a 60 to 75 percent yeah. recollection uh if that because that's just the kind of level on myself i was at that point when i was like listening to it um much kind of more disjointed and it like kind of jumps through in time and there's uh, this this movie sticks to like an Aristotelian sort of sense of drama where it's mm, like characters yeah. in one place for one amount of time. And the way I remember the book is it the stalker goes in and out. A couple yeah, yeah. Times. In the in the book, it's much more you follow a stalker through his life basically as a stalker and how how the zone defines his entire life. He has a child who is permanently scarred by the zone. He like he he basically is scarred by the zone and it makes his child uh, a monkey. So she's yeah. she's distorted and everything, and that character is in this as well. The daughter in this yeah. is kind of weird and everything, but in the and she's called monkey. Yeah, yeah. In the in the book, she like much more explicitly is like described as having like fur all over her and everything. Yeah. And she looks wow. like weird and in demented, and like and also yeah. in the book, like people start coming back from the dead and all this stuff, and so you just have like a zombie grandpa in the living room that yeah. you have to like give vodka to and all this stuff it gets it gets real goofy but it's like russian i mean that was another thing i think surprised me about this movie is there were some parts that were really funny yeah especially in the beginning for such a for such a dour movie for such a like like there are some movie there's some moments of real humor for sure yeah which i don't know russian humor yeah it is russian humor so it's just i love russian humor man (laughs) like it's so like just dark and dry and that's just right where i'm at most of the time yeah yeah i it's 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 a fun movie like there's this there's that shot of like it's not a fun movie but there's a shot of the woman driving away and there's the hat on top of the uh of like the car like on the car roof and it looks like she's like there's like the barrier between her and the hat as she's driving away with the writers. It's such a little moment. I wrote it down because I don't remember that. You don't remember yeah, that? Yeah, it's not very it's funny. Like me at all. Yeah, because uh, it, it is kind of like it comes early enough in the movie that you kind of forget mm. about it. Yeah, I think that must be why. Uh, it's very early in the movie. This again, I watched this movie, finished this movie forty-five minutes. Yeah, ago. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly, exactly.
let's get into a little bit of context on the making of this thing. Uh, it is a movie that literally killed people. Yep. Yeah. Uh, like a lot of people. A lot of like people. Most, most people yeah, who it, made this movie have died because of this film. Which is, which. Because they were filming near a lot of different Soviet toxic waste sites, and, yeah. And some of the some of the best shots in the movie, the the shots of like what looks like snow falling in the winter is actually like ash, like irradiated ash. Wow. And that that uh, yeah. Oh no, snow falling in the summer. I should say it, it's a beautiful shot. It's just this, this mind bending shot when you look at it, and um, it, it really does make you feel like you're in uh, alternate reality. But the result was the crew that was working around that stuff got exposed to all kinds of yes. horrific radiation. Um, so, and it, 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 they they theorized that it may have been actually what killed Tarkovsky himself. Was Probably, yeah. I think I think it movie. had to have been because yeah. what this comes out in '79. He's dead five years later. Yeah, his yeah. last yeah. movie comes out in '86, right. and then he's dead. Yeah, right. that's the reason it's his last movie. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, and so it's yep. like you mean you, it's like the question of would you rather have made. One, not to say he made one, but would you rather have made one incredible film that you're remembered for and like yeah. nothing else, or would you have rather have made a bunch of okay things right. and then keep cranking them out? It's right, like, and staying alive. Yeah. Exactly. This guy, his entire like oeuvre is like worth considering just because he's uh, he's the master of the I think as he put it, poetic cinema. Yeah. Uh, the... Well, it's, it's 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 that whole theory of like sculpting in time that he has that's really fascinating to me of his sort of like approach to filmmaking that yeah. you can see really clearly in this movie is this like. It's... It's time, and it's also the the thing. So I had since I'd never seen it, I didn't know how like kind of the rules of the zone worked. Mm. Uh, I kind of picked it up on it just from like various references. Like it's just this area where anything's kind of possible. Um, but it is an area that is defined most. And when they're getting to the room, the room is a place that is defined by its distance and by its like uh, difficulty. In getting that distance, it's not. It's like a couple minutes away. It's it's, it's two. It's, it's always two hundred meters away, and there's no. If you take the straight path there, you're gonna die. Yeah. Or whatever. That's not the way you want to do it. Right. Um, and the, the the thing about how this movie portrays, I think, physical space is so fascinating because it's like they they manage to make it very clear that like you just like you can't traverse through like a, a physical place that we yeah, normally always throwing those, those they're throwing the stones and they're they're yeah. not being able to move around and it creates this eeriness and the sense of dread even though for most of the movie you don't really see anything happen yeah right and and that's what i think is so powerful is that it's kind of like um you you you're not like actively watching terrible things happen but you know you just have this innate sense that terrible things could happen that the exactly. possibility is like pregnant in every frame and i yeah. think that's so cool uh i do want to talk about the ending because i think it is one of the most uh, sort of enigmatic and kind of talked about endings in yeah in there's, movies. it's it's, it's, it's there just the like way the, it's the way it's shot yeah. alone is incredible like just just the way that he just the tr- moves the camera yeah and have, trying to figure out like the magic of how they got yeah those those uh those glasses to move on the table yeah, <laughs> sure yeah. no yeah. It's, i i couldn't tell you there's this the, the final final image of the movie it is the final image, it is the final image of, yeah. of, of because the, the, the second daughter. last image is the so we're back in sepia kind of like out like in in kansas basically uh sure reality yeah. yeah reality uh the wife gives her monologue to the camera about and then she reads a poem about like desire or something and then it's the shot of the girl and uh of the daughter who has is we we've been told from the beginning that there's something kind she's of a like she's, she's a mutant basically. And there's something wrong with her. Um, but the ending, even though I think it takes place in the quote unquote reality of where outside of the uh, zone, outside of the zone, it's filmed like it's in the zone. Mm-hmm. So you know, 
you think that like she's in the room that you are watching this character express her deepest desire and she's this like little girl and all she wants to do is like move some glasses on the table which is like basically the and but she's doing it psychically Psych- like, she, psychically this, yeah that's the this, important thing there's this incredible shot damn mind. <laughs> there's this incredible shot where it's just like it really does just make you believe that she's moving it with her brain it's just like like her, her facial expression is perfect and just like it, you really can't it, even knowing everything that we know about filmmaking yeah around the three of us at the table it's really hard to just sort of like imagine how they could have pulled it off it's so kind elegantly. of a showstopper a little bit yeah, you're kind of like yeah. i can't believe it but even that said to me that is not what i think about when i think about the ending mm. i think about wife and stalker in the room yeah, yeah. I, that's oh. what, what, what it, that's yeah and that's just well, kind he, of a testament yeah. to that moment and like what she's talking about because that kind of it's not necessarily the antithesis to what we've seen, yeah. But it is just such a sharp nail in his proverbial coffin. I feel mm-hmm. like yeah. of like what he's struggling with. Yeah. That to me, that's what I think about when I sure. think about the end of the sure. film. I don't think about girl moves glasses on a table. Yeah, yeah. I think about because to me, wife the, and stalker. Yeah. To me, to me, the the reason why the the shout of the daughter just sticks with me so much is because it's it's sort of this implication that like the zone has spilled out that like there is no containing it now sure that like Mm -hmm. like whatever this thing is that's altered this area it's now going to alter humanity forever and everything and that sort of implication that like this this otherworldly thing whether it's aliens or god or somewhere in between like it is going to transform humanity forever and that that sort of implication in the context of this movie is just like deeply terrifying and i think that you know, I, I I like Noah bringing up the wife's speech, and I think that the, I, I think that it's right that it's kind of the antithesis of what, but I think it, it that's kind of I think where Tarkovsky comes in. Sure. You know, I think that's where he's like she has that thing about how uh, without sorrow there'd be no happiness, there'd be no hope, mm. and which you know, is beautiful, which is yeah. a beautiful expression, and um, the three men when they're in the zone, they are fighting against their hope a lot of the time. Sure. They're fighting against... They, they are fighting... They know that... They are fighting against happiness. They are fighting mm. against, like, their kind of deepest desires. And ignorance, almost, in it, a way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, and the wife, she's never really been into the zone. She just kind of lived with the consequences of her husband's, like... Like, kind of his entire life, basically. Yeah. Like his she manic ex- obsession. His yeah. manic obsession, not just with the That's zone. True. But, yeah. Yeah. Um, and... Uh, but she kind of just says that it was, like, all worth it. You know, like, she lived the sort of... She's living a gray life, but mm. there's a sort of, like, color to it, in a way, I guess. And yeah. with the daughter at the end, it is, like, a bit of, like... I don't know. I saw that, and I just felt really good about, like... The, I wasn't quite scared about the well, see, it's, coming it's one of these. Well, it's one of these things where it's, like, either, like, this is an implication that, like, humanity is going to transcend to the next level, and, like, like we're, we're going to evolve as a species or something like that. Like, it's almost sort of, like, 2001. Sure. Like, this, uh, similar. Yeah, 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 yeah. Or, or it's an implication that, like, the zone is going to consume us. And, like, right. you don't quite know either way. Um, and is that a bad thing? Yeah. And yeah. I, you can't say. Like, yeah. it's, you, the movie doesn't leave you any room to sort of know either way. And that's uh, why it's such really a fucking it's... bastard. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because why it's great. Always, uh, always leave him with a question, as my yeah. film school professor Ron Falzone once said. Uh, I, we, it came up earlier, and I kind of do want to get into it, but there was um, 
I feel like this movie kind of rocketed back into uh, pop culture last year with the release of Alex Garland's Annihilation. Yeah, 100%. Because, yeah, that... that Which uh, is, like, you kind of couldn't read a review about that movie without it being compared to Stalker or Roadside Pit. Yeah, well, and, and I would say I've read uh, the Area X trilogy, um, which is what Annihilation is based off of, and, like, I read Area X before I read Roadside Picnic, and I'm kind of glad that I did because Area X just, like blatantly takes a lot from Roadside sure, 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 sure. And, like, like Area X is, is brilliant in a, in a lot of ways in its own right, but it's, it's very much sort of the exact same tropes and concept of, like, okay, these people cross through a barrier into this otherworldly place where, where something touched down and completely, like, transformed this part of the swamplands in Florida, and now it's consuming all of the people who go in there both spiritually, psychically, and physically. Yeah. Um, and you watch how, how the, the barrier between, like, basically reality and unreality slowly expands over the course of three uh books it's um it's in the books are incredible like like they're just some of the like trippiest off the chain shit i've ever read it's uh, it's so fucking cool but like they owe a huge debt to uh roadside picnic and the stalker Mm -hmm. stalker's influence on culture really is pretty profound like uh there's apparently a whole series of video games based off of the uh movie that are supposed to be really good yeah Yeah. they're supposed to be like buggy but like conceptually I'm not a gamer, so I don't know. <laughs> yeah like like i've had everybody I, who's played them has said that like conceptually they're really brilliant and that they're kind of like even better than the original fallout games and that the fallout games owe a lot to the stuff no shit and everything so wow yeah it's 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 funny how this like russian movie that like is very dense and very hard and to isn't get seen by a lot of people yeah yeah, yeah, yeah which yeah. is the crazy thing it's still felt yeah yeah it's super influential though in the worlds of like modern pop culture and like sci-fi that's really crazy. And yeah. also thinking about, this is slightly different, but mm. like, think about 1979 just as a year for movies. Yeah. It's mm. a great year. Apocalypse Now. Oh, yeah. Being yeah. there. Yeah. Alien. Yeah. All that jazz. Yeah. yeah. Stalker. Like, yeah, it's yeah, just yeah. a great movie year. Totally. Just like, totally on an aside. But as far as like, Annihilation goes, I saw Annihilation in theaters. I actually am not crazy about it. No, the movie's not very good, but I'm telling you, the book is incredible. They, they I believe that. it. They, Fucked the movie. I think that they, my understanding, I was very my understanding of that, of the, the, the process of that is that uh, Alex Garland was, who's the author of the Area X trilogy? Uh, fucking, I follow him on Twitter. I feel bad that I can't remember his name. Whatever. Uh, yeah, yeah. My understanding is Alex Garland was, de- was developing that script off of a very early draft of Annihilation. Actually, I, I, my, what I had heard was that he, like, read the book twice very quickly and he just, like, went off and did his own thing. And that's very much the detriment of the movie because the book is this brilliant telling of you watch the the biologist she tells the story after basically wandering through area x for two days and she's lost everybody she's just watched all the horrible events happen and she's writing a journal frantically Mm. and she's trying to write it as fast as she can so the book has this like manic frantic quality like an urgency yeah and on top of that the the whole thing that happened is she goes into the zone they go into area x and she's um been uh, hypnotized by the uh, psychologist and the psychologist has hypnotized the whole team and she breaks free of the hypnosis just sort of by accident mm. and then the whole book is about her sort of like realizing like faking that she's still hypnotized so that she can deceive the psychologist and try to figure out what the fuck's going on and it becomes this like very intense psychological thriller on top of all the trippy shit that's happening with like the beasts oh, wow. and all this stuff and Damn, like, that sounds good as hell. it's yeah. so fucking good you have no idea it's like it gives me chills to think about it because it's just like it like just wrecked me to read those books back to back to back uh in 2018 um and yeah it's it was such a bummer that the, that the movie was such a poor reflection of how incredible the book is the movie feels like 
someone watched Stalker with one eye open and was like, yes. okay, let me see what I can remember. Yes. Yeah. yes. And plus the bear, which was cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> The bear yeah, was yeah, cool. Yeah. We got to know the I'm bear telling you, cool. there's, a, there's a beast in the in the book that's even scarier like they Fuck. couldn't have they couldn't have made this beast as it's described in the book the way that it, oh, you, wow. you could, i don't know how you could visually represent it so well because it's just like it's this it's this thing that like is just like haunted my dreams since i read wow. it wow because it's so scary okay um i yeah. can't hype those books up enough they're so fucking good and like i say they they uh owe a huge uh debt to stalker and to roadside picnic um yeah. Yeah, uh, let's. Let, so I guess uh, wrapping this this episode up, uh, Mason, would you recommend this now? Having seen, you know, it? I really would. I would kind of urge, if the opportunity arises, go see it in theaters and on film for sure. Yeah. Or if you can see, like even you know, it's not ideal, but a four K DCP is close enough to filmic quality that the difference is fairly negligible. Yeah. from what I understand, from what I understand of people who've explained this much. Uh, better than I can and not, like actually know their shit. Yeah, that's how I saw it was on a 4K DCP at the Egyptian. That's sure. how they showed okay. it, and yeah. it like I the in terms of the visual enjoyment and yeah. the visual like strikingness of it. If it had been on film, mm. I really don't think it would have mm. made a huge difference yeah. at that point because of how he shot this film totally. and how he decided. Yeah, to tell the I story. think it's beautiful. I love the um, just uh, a lot of shots are just there's just so many just individual shots that stick out to me in this movie. I love especially in the beginning how the writer is in this like kind of all black thing and he's just like this moving void, this moving shadow. Yeah. Uh, great shadows yeah, right yeah, off yeah. the top. I would recommend this. Would you recommend yeah. this? N- no, but here's, <laughs> but here's why. Because I think that people who already know what this is stalker yeah have seen it already Probably. and if they haven't seen it already it's on their list yeah, yeah and yeah, yeah. people who haven't heard of it they probably aren't gonna want to no, watch it I all can't. right so this is this is exciting <laughs> i think that we have kind of stumbled backwards into like a like a recommendation sort of criteria or or uh a, a system on the show yeah uh where if it's on your list i think you should watch it but you can't tell you can't give this to like your mom or something no, like, this, no, is no, no, no. Nor- this is not a normie pick this is this is not a date night movie let yeah. me tell you that but not i don't know maybe about your date night. <laughs> <laughs> maybe it is it depends i don't know what's going on, on how else am nights. i gonna break the news that i can move shit with my mind there you go. <laughs> i think for anyone who like really wants to make films even if you don't quote unquote like Tarkovsky. You gotta want. You gotta do it anyways. Yeah. I think you, you gotta eat your fucking vegetables. You right? gotta kind of know what you're dealing with a little bit. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's, he, it's just an important reference point because, like I said, there's so much other sci-fi that's been influenced by this, and it's it's really is like a touch point. You'll you'll once not you just see this, it, but his entire filmography. Yeah. Solaris, Solaris, however you want to say yeah, it. Yeah. Like yeah. that. I mean. They, Steven Soderbergh said, I like this so much, I'm going to do it worse. Like, <laughs> I'm just, I'm going to, I'm going to recommend to do I, it. I mean, I've never seen Soderbergh's Solaris. Neither have I. I've never, but I, some, some, cri- some critical voices that I trust deeply call it a secret masterpiece. So I'm kind of curious uh, to Soderbergh is, is very fun Dude. because like his movies, like even his bad movies are very interesting most he, of the time to me. He is I love Soderbergh. Absolutely. I do. No, I love him too. Yeah, so much. He, we don't deserve him in all no, the ways. No, yeah, we yeah, truly yeah. do not. <laughs> he makes movies that no one asked for. Yes. Like, no one. Like, have you ever seen Schizopolis? That's the movie that he... Oh, yeah. So I'm reading Down and Dirty Pictures right now, and like working with like Harvey Weinstein kind of broke his brain to the point where he had to make Schizopolis. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure, <laughs> Which because... Which is a movie that's like literally just... A, it's like him and like his wife at the time or something, and his daughter. Yeah. Uh, and it's like... 
Have you seen Spitopolis? Can you speak to, to that? Yeah, I've seen a lot of it. I didn't actually finish it, to be honest, <laughs> honest with you, because it was actually, like, a little bit too much. Yeah. But it feels like the like what the skeleton of a movie is supposed to be mm. like the skeleton of what a domestic drama is supposed sure. to be and like slash like guy having a midlife crisis sure. with like a screwball essence of like he it's like kind of a critique of religion a little bit or like okay. like big business so he's really on some shit yeah. <laughs> he's yeah. like really trying to do like he's Everything. trying to be a director yeah, like yeah, he's yeah. trying to be like a director and with a yeah. capital fucking b yeah. like yeah. it's like pretty wild like there's a scene in the film and like anytime that he like like the so and he is the star of the film right <laughs> anytime he's like at home they talk to each other like this like the like steven soderbergh will enter the door and he'll say welcoming greeting and then the wife will say like honey like we're just taking up content for other episodes let's wrap this shit up uh so thanks for listening to the the very fun very messy pilot episode of it's on the list <laughs> yeah uh, hopefully we'll be back with more crazy ass well, yeah. content crazy stuff i think so, some weird stuff i think i'm very excited because i felt very nice about how the two of you interact <laughs> this is gonna be very pleasant i'm excited to find some good guests for you guys to help produce this thing keep it going let's awesome. uh go see stalker it's probably not in theaters but go see it anyway. <laughs> yeah. it's on the criterion channel uh, i tried to see if it was on canopy my favorite streaming service it's not on canopy they have, I think, Nostalgia and The Mirror are the only two okay. Tarkovsky movies on camera. And those are hard to find, too. Yeah. So that's yeah. that's actually a good thing to know. If, like, if you want to watch more of his stuff, I know he's got some stuff on Criterion Channel, but a lot of it's harder to find. Criter- mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, yeah. A lot definitely of- check out your local, yeah, definitely check out your like local library. Uh, I feel like I'm gonna be really stand for the, this is I'm gonna real stand for the public library in this fucking podcast. So yes, this is this is put, a public library podcast. Put, yeah, put those DVDs on hold at your local yeah. branch of the library and go down uh, or get a library card if you don't uh, have one already. <laughs> or if you're in LA, Cinephile on Sawtell and Santa oh, yeah. Monica oh, yeah, is yeah. great. Uh, Video Tech in Pasadena. That's the other one. Mm. Those are both those, those I was going to recommend both roll. those places. Yeah, those places. I was literally just at Cinephile before I came back because I'm a fucking have, Cinephile, guys! I have, I have a crazy Cinephile anecdote that I will tell off mic because it's great. too much for this. Well, let's great. get to off mic. Let's yes. get to off mic time. Okay. Thank you, Thanks everyone. Thanks for sticking through this. If you stuck through it, we'll see you next time. <laughs> see you next week.